Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Jocker's Functional Nutrition Podcast, the show designed to give you science-based solutions to improve your health and life. I'm David Jockers, doctor of natural medicine, chiropractor, and functional nutritionist, and I'm the host on this podcast. And I'm here to tell you that your body was created to heal itself. And on this show, we focus on strategies you can apply today to heal and function at your best. Thanks for spending time with me, and let's go into the show. This podcast has been brought to you by Paleo Valley. They are one of my favorite companies because their products are super pure, full of incredible ingredients. And I want to tell you about their meat sticks. They have 100% grass-fed beef, pasture-raised turkey meat sticks that my family and I love. My kids love these because they have tons of flavor. They're completely free of carbs and sugar, and they have probiotics in them as well. So they're great for your gut, great for supporting your appetite, your satiety levels. They help you uh, feel satiated, and they help you burn fat for fuel. They're gluten-free, soy-free, dairy-free, GMO-free, and preservative-free. So they are the top of the line. They've got some great flavors that you will absolutely love. And now you can use my coupon code, Jockers, just my last name, J-O-C-K-E-R-S, to get 15% off your order today. Simply go to their website, paleovalley.com, and enter Jockers at checkout, and you'll receive 15% off your entire purchase. The link and discount code are also available in the show notes of today's episode. Once you try these meat sticks, you won't be able to get enough. I mean, my kids love these, my family loves these, and I know you will as well. So try them out, Paleo Valley, and I know you're gonna love them. Well, hey everybody, welcome back to the Dr. Jockers Functional Nutrition Podcast, where we believe your body was designed to heal itself, and we're here to equip you with the resources and the strategies so you can turn on your inner healing potential. And I'm excited about today's interview. I've got a good friend of mine. He's a friend and a client, and uh, he's an actor. So he's got a busy, uh, busy lifestyle and really um, a, a great health story. And so this is Cameron Matheson. And Cameron, uh, we met just online through uh, you know messaging back and forth with Instagram. I know he'd been following a lot of my YouTube videos. And he's actually the, he actually is on the Hallmark Channel. He's a host of Home and Family, really popular show on the Hallmark Channel. He also does Entertainment Tonight as well, another popular show. Um, he's been on Dancing with the Stars, right? And so, yes. yeah. <laughs> so that's a really popular one. Good Morning America as well. So you've probably, if you've turned on your TV in the last 20 years, you've probably seen Cameron at some point. Um, I think your was your most popular, your most famous role on All My Children. Is that correct? Yeah, I was on All My Children for like 14 years playing uh, Ryan Lavery. So yeah. it sort of comes with me no matter what. And that was a long time ago now. I don't even know, almost 10 years ago maybe. Yeah. Uh, but it still seems to come up almost more than anything, which is which is very sweet. It's, it's near and dear to my heart, that role. So. Absolutely. And you were Emmy nominated for that. Is that correct? I was. A couple times, yep. Yeah. 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 I, I know when uh, when we first started connecting, I was like, this. he just looks really familiar. Like, I've seen him. <laughs> I'd never, I'd never, you know, I haven't had cable or anything like that and, and really watched much TV yeah. in the last 20 years or so. 
So I was like, where, where have I seen him before? But, you know, at some point, Hallmark movies, you've been on all these different Hallmark movies, great movies. And uh, so you make your way around, real recognizable face, and truly one of the nicest guys that I have ever met. Um, I really love working with him as a client. And so, absolutely. So Cameron, let's, let's talk about your story and um, how you got involved with health and how you got started with acting. Well, I, um, I'll go, I'll rewind a little bit. I um, grew up in Canada and I was very strong in math and sciences. So I went into engineering school, a school in Canada called McGill University. And I studied engineering, but my roommate was an actor. One of my best friends still is. And I used to like kind of run lines with him. We practice scenes with him. We call it running lines. And, um, and then one summer I used to work for my professors in between years, you know, in the summertime. And one summer I couldn't get a job uh, with one of my professors and it just was tough. And so I was, at a, I was out somewhere and somebody said, well, you should try modeling. And I was like, okay. And I went out and I, I started, uh, I went to an agency and that led into a little mini modeling uh, experience, which led into commercials. And then when I started doing commercials, I really got that acting bug. I finished up my engineering degree. Uh, and then I started studying acting in, in Toronto first and, and booking stuff there. But then when I was living in Toronto, I booked all my children and I moved to New York uh, for that role. So that was, uh, that was the big life-changing experience. Now, all through that, you know, it's interesting because at that time, I never really knew how to eat or, you know, like I, I was an athletic guy. I played college basketball at McGill and I was pretty fit, but I mean, if, when I look back at my diet, it just was not right for me at all. It wasn't really working. I was always lethargic and I couldn't get, I used to have like candy bars before practices to get energy. I mean, you know, just, you know, just trying to do whatever I could do. But it was before I booked uh, a role called, um, well, it was in the movie called 54 with uh, Ryan Phillippe, Ned Campbell, Mike Myers. It was about Studio 54 in New York. And I had to be the shirtless bartender. And I was, I was in decent shape, but but not lean and just kind of athletic, you know, just normal. Um, and the director said, listen, these bartenders were, you know, they, they did a lot of things that made them very lean. They weren't super healthy guys. And, um, and so I need you to lean out. And I was like, okay. So at that point, I did a little research and I discovered the Atkins diet. And it was like, this is, this is back in, like late man, 90s 1996 or- maybe? Yeah, that was, yeah, very early stages for that, yeah. And I had never cut out carbohydrates on any level. And I, I don't really have any, you know, this or that to say about the Atkins diet. But I will say that once I started cutting out carbohydrates, I probably was not doing it in, in the healthiest way. But um, I got very, very lean. I had way more energy. I'd always had like, a, like, an, ab, like an abdominal bloat to me that went away. Um, and so that was my first sort of phase into low carb that, that's sort of when my diet started to shift and I went, went to all my children uh, and off and on through the years would keep coming back to um, what I would call just eating low carbohydrate uh, the best I could not understanding the function really of increasing healthy fats in there uh, at the same time right so I was you know I wasn't really all that educated um, but I could still see so much benefit to it and so through my careers I, I did that and then um, well, I mean, you want me to kind of get into my recent uh, health journey that? Yeah, well, I absolutely. Let's just go through the, the evolution of it. I mean, the reality is most people didn't know what they were doing back in the 90s, you know, yeah. and, and yeah. now we've got more and more information coming out and biohacking and all kinds of stuff like that. And you've really jumped into this. 
But yeah, I'd love to hear kind of your whole evolution, your whole story with it. It's a, it's a good point because back at that time is when I met my now wife uh, and Vanessa and I was, I was aesthetically uh, in very you know, <laughs> good form. Um, but she said, you're the unhealthiest, healthy looking person I've ever met, to <laughs> your point. Like I was doing things, um, you know, at the time, ephedra was, was legal. It was in things like hydroxycontin. I was just doing whatever I had to do to create this aesthetic form because of being on TV and on the roll and all my children, my shirt was off all the time or whatever. <laughs> so I was like, I felt this pressure. I established this kind of bar yeah. of what I had to look aesthetically. And I was doing all sorts of unhealthy ways to. Um, you know, that's, that's really interesting because there's, there, there's a lot of talk in the media about women and the pressure they have, right? Especially models and your wife is a model. Um, yeah. And so the pressure they've had to have a certain physique and, and most people don't think about men as well, like, like you and, and the things that sometimes a lot of times men will do in order to have that physique as well. Yeah, I could totally, I mean, that definitely, I think it's a, it's a new, a unique set of circumstances that I was in where I kind of felt that pressure, but I did get myself into that position where, yeah. especially being in the public at the time, all my children was very popular. My character, you know, was, was pretty popular out there. And I, I would do these appearances in the malls and sign autographs and stuff, which I, I loved. But for some, somehow this pattern, somehow, like I had nothing to do with it. The pattern started where I would start kind of taking my shirt off and flexing in front of the crowds. And, yeah. and that became kind of what I was more or less known for. And I, and I not taking myself too serious. I love that people got a kick out of it and I was doing it just yeah. for fun and stuff. But after a while I was like, Oh man, what have I done here? Like this is, you know, I got to, I got to keep it up. Um, so that was really aesthetically based. Now, through the years, I got a little bit older, had kids, and my, my diet would definitely um, be more all over the place. We were always pretty, you know, getting good quality foods um, and things, but I, I wasn't necessarily eating for my body. I love what you said when you started saying that our bodies were designed to heal itself or something like that. Yeah. Like, I was not thinking in that realm. You know, I wasn't eating for my body in a way that I could tell was best for my body. Just, you know, just healthy this or that, what I'd read was healthy, right? Yep. It wasn't, wasn't great for me. Like the average 20, you know, early 30-year-old, right? It's typically not until somebody reaches mid-30s, 40s that they start to, you know, think through, hey, wow, I, I, start, I need to really start taking care of my body. That's, that's exactly right. And, and I, was, I was managing to kind of keep aesthetically, like, you know, pretty good, but not but not feeling great, low energy, definitely uh, abdominal issues, digestion issues um, that, that would manifest in you know, different ways, but lots of like distension, like a lower abdomen distension, kind of almost small intestine or stomach. You know, and it was, um, it, it, it just was sort of plaguing me. I just kind of managed it. And I just assumed it was my body type and whatever you're gonna do, like, you know, I'm getting older, or my, whatever. Um, but it led me because I, I a few times, so let's see now, probably five or six years ago now, it led me to really try to figure it out a couple of times. And, and I, oh, a big piece of the puzzle I have to, I have to mention here is that I started developing acid reflux like maybe 15 years yeah. ago. Um, and I went to, uh, you know, kind of like the best doctors that I had access to in LA and New York to help me out with that, gastroenterologists, I believe. Um, and they would prescribe me uh, anti-acids, things like Nexium and uh, Prevacid, and I went through different ones through the years. I was on those anti, excuse me, acid-blocking medications for, 
I mean, really nonstop for at least 10 years, maybe a little longer. And it got to the point where I started needing more. I started eating one in the morning, one at night. So being on this medication that in my mind was supposed to help me uh, with my medical issue, that and, and yet over time, the symptoms of my medical issue were getting worse. It, it didn't logically make sense to me. I was like, I don't understand if I'm taking medication to help me, why is everything getting worse? Like my distension was worse, my acid reflux was worse. I couldn't go a few hours, well, that's not true. I couldn't go a half a day without taking um, an anti-acid medication. Mm, right? So yeah. I was really kind of dependent on this. And it didn't make sense to me at all. So I started doing, like you said, that's when it really began my going online and doing my own research and finding this huge community, specifically now with acid reflux, where um, they were saying, that you can do it with diet and you can fix it with diet and it's actually not too much acid in your stomach but in a way it's too little stomach right. excuse me too little acid which allows the the bacteria and things to ferment in your stomach creating the gas which blows open the esophageal valve letting the acid up but something along those lines that's a big yeah example. yeah i'll i'll jump in there and explain Please. that to the listener and then we'll go right back to your story so Normally, your stomach acid at rest is roughly around 3 to 3.5 pH. And for reference, water is neutral at 7.0 pH. And if you're, anybody remembers back to chemistry class, we know it's like it's a really big jump to go from 7 to 3.0, somewhere in that range. And then when we eat meat, right, especially meat um, or really protein in general, but particularly meat, we need to drop that acid down to around 1.5 to 2.2. So that's really energy demanding for our body to get the acid from 3 to 3.5 down to 1.5 to 2.2 in that range. And so we've got to produce enough stomach acid in order to do that. If we don't, food can just sit in our stomach and start to rot and, uh, and ferment like you were talking about. And it slows the, the emptying from the stomach into the small intestine. And so... Um, when you take an antacid, right? So for a lot of people, they, they just naturally have low stomach acid. And you know what's interesting, Cameron, is people with blue eyes. I was talking to a naturopath about this. And this has been in naturopathic medicine. They've talked about this for hundreds of years now. People with blue eyes are a lot higher rate of low stomach acid, right? So you've got blue eyes. I've got blue eyes. My wife does, right? And so all of us, and, and, and I take HCL, right? My wife does as well. Um, taking that extra stomach acid really, really helps. And so, um, but anyways, uh, basically, you know, if we don't get enough stomach acid, food is just going to sit there and start to rot and putrefy, right? And then that gas is going to end up causing acid to jump up into the esophagus. And the esophagus can't handle even 3 to 3.5 pH, right? That's too much and it'll start to damage that tissue. So that's where supplementing with something like a BT and HCL can really help or doing apple cider vinegar and water or chewing on some bitters like uh, fennel seed or um, ginger, right? So just even taking a little bit of ginger root, like, a, like an inch of ginger root and chewing on that before a meal can help start to get your stomach acid produced, right? It actually activates part of your nervous system, your parasympathetic nervous system, which turns on the digestive juices. So that can really help. Taking some deep breaths before, before we eat can really help with turning on the digestive juices. And of course, you know, you had a busy, a busy job and we all grew up in the era of fast food, meaning not just the, the quality of food, but like eating fast, right? Just eating yeah. on the go, right? Yeah. So that's, you're not going to be able to produce the digestive juices you need. And there's so many people out there. I mean, millions of people out there that are suffering with acid reflux 
that are not being treated properly. They're being given proton pump inhibitors, which stop the body's ability to produce acid. So they make it even worse, right? They never actually get rid of the underlying root cause. And so that's the big issue there. And that's, that's how you were being treated. And that's exactly, that makes perfect sense because it was getting worse, right? So that's exactly, I remember going to my doctor. So once I did my own little research and then I went to my gastroenterologist, he's, you know, I think he's one of the best in the Los Angeles area, you know, who knows, but, and I said to him, so what do you think about, you know, adjusting my diet and doing it that way? And he said, trying, let me get this right. Trying to heal acid reflux with diet alone is like trying to empty the ocean with a bucket. Mm. And I was like, oh, man, I was so gut punched. I remember that. Wow. But I still, so I went along another like who knows how long on the, on the pills because after he told me that, he was the authority. But eventually I, I did. Um, I, it's funny you mentioned the ginger. I started, so I, I cut out all my, um, you know, ne uh, nevis, uh, excuse me, Prevacid or Nexium. Yeah. And I started supplementing, as per I was reading, with HCL. And I would kind of do that little test to see how much I used. So I needed a lot of HCL before I even felt any kind of acidity. So it was like, it was a several pills. Um, and I was doing, you know, lemon juice, lemon water. I was doing uh, ginger, baking my own ginger tea, really strong ginger tea on the stove, but also chewing on it um, and doing things like that. Within three days of doing that, I had no acid reflux. Yeah. So I'd been on that medication for like 11 years. Yep. And so I don't know what exactly had been done to my stomach, but I'm sure it didn't, it wasn't great. Finally kind of sort of corrected that. And I then did I was- you, Did you change your diet as well? Was, was there anything that you were eating that, that you saw was contributing? Because a lot of people also notice something like possibly gluten, right? Eating gluten or dairy or something like that. They, they oftentimes a food sensitivity can also trigger acid reflux as well. Yeah, that's a massive, that's a huge point. Yeah, I went sort of to a low carbohydrate paleo diet. So yeah. at the time it was more yeah. sort of a, you know, scaled low carb paleo is how I was eating, no processed foods, best quality I could find. Like you say, no gluten, no grains, all that. Um, and that made a big difference too, I'm sure. It was all sort of all the pieces of the puzzle. Uh, but the, the symptoms went away uh, remarkably quickly, I thought. Um, but through over the years after that, I still noticed um, issues with my body, with my gut and digestion. Uh, although my diet wasn't really all that perfect through that time either, but, um, just to the point where it just didn't seem right. I knew in my heart that something wasn't right. And I thought there was something going on in my small intestines. And I kept asking my, uh, my doctor at the time here in uh, Pasadena, um, for an MRI just to get a scan of my, uh, my lower abdomen because I was convinced that something was there. And this went on for a while and he genuinely, and you know, he didn't say no, but he was like, I really don't think you need it. Why don't we try this? And why don't we try that? And we tried different things and nothing really helped almost at all, like supplements and uh, diet adjustments. And, um, and so it turns out that eventually I did get the MRI. And it was from that MRI that he was correct. My, my, you know, my small intestines, my stomach looked okay, but they found a tumor on my right kidney. Uh, I had kidney cancer, uh, yeah. renal cell carcinoma, and likely the, the, the symptoms that I was experiencing weren't directly related to the situation. But at my heart, I still knew 
I mean, there was things like my low, my, my white blood cell count was low, really low, when yeah. it shouldn't be, and then it came up. And there were just other signs and tests that I would be doing that didn't make sense to me. So I kind of persisted, got the MRI, kind of in a sense, in my mind anyway, kind of fought for it, got it. Um, yeah. Found out it was cancer, um, had surgery, no chemo, no radiation. This was when I met you. Yeah. I mean, literally, within a week of my surgery is when uh, you came on Home and Family. Yeah. yeah, we had been talking well before, and we scheduled the time for me to come on Home and Family. And then you found out, I think it was like a month or so before, because this was like three or four months before that when we scheduled it. That's and right. then you found out about a month before the show aired that you had the cancer. And then, of course, you got the surgery right? And unfortunately, you weren't able to make it on the show, but I came over your place afterwards. Yeah, it was so kind of you and yeah. to come over. I, um, you, for everybody uh, watching this, my co-host on Home and Family is, is a fantastic woman named Debbie Matinopoulos. Yeah. And, and she told Dr. Jocker, she said, you're like his Santa Claus. Like, that's how I, like, I, I mean, all that's of the, the YouTube videos and the books and the things I've read about, about yeah. you, I just, I literally, I can't get enough of it all. And it's helped me so much. And so she, <laughs> she told you that you're like my Santa Claus, which I love. Yeah, that's hilarious. Yep. And she and Debbie is great. Uh, I really enjoy doing the show with her. So I was going to say, so you got the surgery done, right? And then how was that recovery process? Um, in the grand scheme of things, it went, you know, really, really well. It was, I had, you know, I, yeah, it was, it was a lot slower than I thought. Yeah. I thought I was going to be able to recover and be on the show and interview. Remember that? Right. Yeah, like, exactly. It was like a week later, and everyone yeah. was like, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> uh, but yes, the, the, the recovery, the immediate recovery was slow, of course. It was uh, you know major surgery, but um, I, I feel so, so much better. Now, it, with that said, for whatever reason, I, I guess maybe part of my mind felt like, you know, I'm so careful about the way I eat, and I still got cancer, so, you know, maybe I'm, I'm, I don't need to stick, you know, to the... Yeah strict diet that I'm known for, you know, because of that, it didn't, still didn't work very well. But, you know, the doctors, so, you know, people say the doctors flat out told me that it's likely the fact that I was so careful with the way I eat, maybe not all the time, but I was so careful about the way I eat that it likely prevented it, low sugar, low carbohydrate, prevented the cancer from growing and spreading. So it was, it was contained in my kidney, it didn't get into my lymph nodes, it didn't get into my lungs, things that it can typically go to. And it was likely growing slowly for a, you know, around eight years, I think, you know, approximately. Yeah. So my healthy lifestyle did really, in a sense, save my life in many ways. And uh, even though after the surgery, I kind of was still eating not great for my body. Um, and we, that's when we checked in and you kept trying to encourage me and give me ideas and things the way to fall until finally in the last uh, really two months, I've been back on track, um, super low carbohydrate keto, like, yep. you know, like very, very low. And I feel almost like I'm in my twenties again. Um, so much energy, my, my body fat gotten leaner, but one of my goals is, is not to kind of lose size because I'm on camera. And I don't want to get all, you know, I don't know. I always feel like super low carbohydrate it forces you to, to get super lean. And, 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 yeah. I'm, and I'm sure for some people, you can adjust it so that if that is your goal to, yeah. to lose a lot of weight, I'm sure that's a, a good yeah. way to do it. For me, that's not my goal. And I was able to go super low carbohydrate the last two months, increase my strength and go down in body fat 
and and my my weight, you know, according to the scale, is around the same, which is shocking to me. So, and but most importantly, uh, feel great. My 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 digestion is fantastic. I'm doing the uh, intermittent fasting as well, and um, just so many benefits. I'm not even but more mental clarity, uh, better sleep. I, I wake up feeling more uh, energetic. I'm still probably drinking a little bit too much black coffee, um, but I'm working on that. yeah and i know uh when we ran labs too we also saw a high level of toxins right so environmental toxins we found in very very high levels in your system and so you know you're as fit a person like you you just look like like you're super healthy obviously look amazing um and and you're what in your early 50s now right yeah look absolutely amazing like you know best looking early 50 year old man you're gonna find and but yet you had cancer and this is something that we all need to realize is that we're being exposed to toxins on a regular basis. And, you know, you obviously were fit, uh, exercising regularly. And for, you know, the last however many years you've been eating healthy, but you had this cumulative toxic exposure. And so that was certainly a factor. I know we did a lot of work on detox to help basically get a lot of this stuff out of the system. I think that's obviously played a big role and um and then also i know you were eating even though you're eating really healthy a lot of people don't realize this that the average person is actually eating something like six to ten meals a day and they don't think about it because they think a meal is actually sitting down and eating something right but if you take a drink of kombucha okay you're getting like 20 calories or something like that enough to kind of shock your insulin and and increase your insulin levels and so i know we had talked about Hey, let's um, let's com- you know basically compress that eating window, and then you know don't constantly snack throughout the day. You want to talk about that? Well, I remember like it's 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 amazing because you go through you know as as let's say client here in this case, I'm going through everything and you've been working with me and I I just conveniently left out the detail that <laughs> I literally am the world's biggest snacker. So I'm telling you what I'm eating and what I'm not eating. And that's, that was all accurate and yeah. true. And it was but all healthy foods. You're eating really healthy foods, but it wasn't right. like compressed times. And that's important because if you're constantly eating, like you're talking about snacking, you're constantly increasing insulin and insulin tells the body to grow. Right. And so we get too much signal to grow that can trigger cancer. Right. And so go, go ahead, go back to what you were saying. See, that's fascinating to me. When you told me that it was the ultimate best motivation for me, uh, probably for a lot of people to not, to not snack. It, it was, and it wasn't even necessarily that I was, that I was hungry. It was, it become my whole life. I mean, childhood, my whole life is just a behavior. It's just when I have, you know, when I'm walking around, if I'm in the kitchen, it's like Pavlov's dogs. I'm in the kitchen, I just check the pantry and just have some macadamia nuts or some, you know, some seaweed or whatever it is. Like it was good stuff. But um, it, my wife and, and, you know, it's just you got to listen to your, your, to your partners, everybody, to your wives, your girlfriends, yeah. because she has been saying to me for years and years, she's like, you've got to stop snacking. And it's not, not because I was overweight, but just to give my digestion a break. I mean, here's a guy with digestive issues, clearly. Yeah. And I wasn't taking a break other than my, um, my overnight fast window, which at the time was about 16 hours every day. Uh, yep. Now I've got into 18 hours, yep. um, pretty close, every day, 17 to 18 hours. And then I don't eat again until my second meal. So two meals yep. a day, as per your suggestion. Yep. Um, I never thought that I could 
go through the day without snacking and I have no desire to now. And I don't know what's happening. I don't know how it's possible, but I'm so grateful because it's true. It was, it was almost like a chain, you know, it was almost like I was trapped in this habit and I, oh, yeah. it, you know, I had to pack snacks with me all the time. It was like, you know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. On. Absolutely. Well, I went through that phase as well back when I was a personal trainer back in my early 20s. I thought if I don't eat, if I don't have a protein shake before I go to bed and then, you know, like a big bowl of cereal or something like that that I had in the morning, I would lose muscle, right? I, I kept thinking that. Um, but what happens when we continually suppress or continually spike insulin, it actually limits our strength and our healing potential. So by compressing your eating window, like you're doing now, two meals a day, okay, and then your body responds really well on a very low-carb keto diet. So he's doing uh, more of a carnivore approach, and we'll talk about that just in a minute. And you had cycled through different things. I know uh, like six months ago we were talking and you were like, yeah, I'm doing plant-based. I'm doing like a week. <laughs> you're like, I feel amazing, but I have constant gas and I'm bloated all the time. But other than that, my energy feels great, right? You were telling me that. Yeah, and, that little detail. Yeah, exactly. Um, but just, you know, taking out the snacking and really compressing, and you're, it's not about eating less. It's just about eating less often, right? So yeah compressing that eating window plays a big role with improving insulin sensitivity. And then when you go longer periods of time without food, your body boosts up growth hormone. And growth hormone is really good for your immune system, right? Really strengthens your immune system, good for bone density, good for lean body tissue, burning fat, building muscle. It's kind of your quintessential anti-aging hormone, right? So you get a great improvement there. You also stimulate autophagy where the body starts to break down and eat uh, older damaged cells. So even if you're on a ketogenic diet, but you're eating every three or four hours, you are not going to stimulate autophagy because even if you you know just take a spoonful of butter, you're still going to get some level of insulin release and enough to to stop that the body's own self healing process. This is why it's important to compress that eating window. I recommend two to maybe three meals a day. Most men can get away with two. Uh, sometimes women, we've got to do three, but, uh, but snacking on a regular basis, not a good idea. It's just so incredibly helpful. And, and like I said, this is really the first time in my life, my whole life that I can remember where I haven't snacked. Can I ask you a quick question about, yeah. you mentioned taking a spoonful yeah. of butter. So during my fast, um, maybe this is like an off camera question, but I'm going to ask it on camera anyway. Yeah, hey, no. do, you, do you consider MCT oil, the real, the CA MCT oil, do you consider that breaking the fast? That's a really good question. So technically, it does break a fast. However, because it's so ketogenic, you get little to no insulin release. So if you're going to do something, C8 MCT oil is what you want to do because it basically just turns right into ketones. What most people experience when they do a little bit of C8 MCT oil is they just actually fast, the fasting part becomes easier. They're able to extend their fast longer. They feel more mentally clear, more productive during the fast. So I don't have a problem with that. Yeah, but if you were to put, if you were to do a, t a typical bulletproof coffee where you put in the butter, yeah, butter will, even though it's just plain fat, because it's a longer chain fat, <clears throat> it takes longer to digest. It's not quite as uh, quick to turn into ketones. You will uh, get more of an insulin release, which can inhibit that autophagy. Gotcha. Okay. Great. That's good to know. Yeah. I mean, I don't always do it, but sometimes I. Yeah. Yeah. You can experiment, see how you feel, you know, uh, doing that versus not doing it. See if it's making a difference for you. 
at the same time, the exogenous ketones are a good thing to do during a fast too, and that doesn't technically uh, spike the insulin either. Correct. I mean, if it's just straight exogenous ketones, not a bad idea either. What I'd like to do is get the body, and it depends on the individual. So <clears throat> if you're having a relaxed morning, I would just do the fast. But if you've got, you know, if you got to really perform that morning and you're not quite sure if, you know, you're going to be able to perform at your best if you're in your fasting, if you're fasting, then take some exogenous ketones or C8 MCT oil. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. That's correct. So don't get in the habit of it, but just use it if you feel like you might need it. Correct? Exactly. Because it can provide that performance benefit whether it inhibits autophagy, you know, because both of those have some level of calories in them, there's going to be some compromise when it comes to autophagy, you know, so you got to weigh it out. Do I get enough performance benefits you know, from this? Is it, is it really moving the needle for me or, or is it something I can, you know, I'm not really noticing the benefit from and I don't really need to use it. So I get the full benefits of the autophagy. Nice. What I find yeah. is that for me, yeah, for me, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty moderate uh, increase in benefit. It's not, it's yep. not night and day for me at all. Hey guys, I just wanted to interrupt this podcast to tell you about one of my favorite food products. I mean, if you're out there and you're looking for healthy snack options or, you know, really healthy food, sometimes it can be hard to find a gut-friendly, gluten-free snack option. And that's why you need to know about Paleo Valley. They're 100% grass-fed beef and 100% pasture-raised turkey meat sticks are not only loaded with delicious flavor, but they are completely free of carbs and sugar. Such a great bioavailable protein snack to grab on the go. I oftentimes will eat them with meals too. Like if I eat a meal and I'm still a little bit hungry, feel like I need a little bit more protein and healthy fats, I go ahead and have them. You know, they're gluten-free, they're soy-free, they're dairy-free, GMO-free, preservative-free. I mean, what's not to love about that? On top of that, they actually also have probiotics in them as well. So you're getting the protein, healthy fats, and you're getting probiotics, lots of key minerals and nutrients in there, and they taste amazing. And now you can use my coupon code, Jockers, just my last name, J-O-C-K-E-R-S, to get 15% off your order today. Simply go to their website, paleovalley.com, and enter Jockers at checkout, and you'll receive 15% off your entire purchase. The link and discount code are also available in the show notes of today's episode. Once you try these meat sticks, you won't be able to get enough. My kids and I absolutely love them. And I know your family will too. So try them out today. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's probably the biggest thing to measure out, right? Because, and, that, and that's really where I want to go next also is um, let's talk about, you know, kind of your normal schedule. Now, right now, as we're doing this interview, we're quarantined, right? And so uh, this this interview will be coming out in a few in a in uh, a few months. But uh, right now it's uh, it's what April twenty third or something like that. And yep. uh, so we're all quarantined at this point. And so your schedule is a little bit different. You're, you don't have your uh, home and family is is not showing right now. But what's your normal schedule like? Just so because a lot of people are interested in what that looks like for an actor. So yeah, I um. Since I've started in, in the hosting world and co-hosting Home and Family, so Home and Family is on Hallmark's channel two hours every day, Monday to Friday, uh, and we shoot, that, um, we shoot that Monday to Friday. 
Um, now, when I go off and I do Hallmark movies, I'll take a little leave of absence from home and family, and I'll go and do the Hallmark movies, like, on location somewhere. But basically, my, my daily schedule, and it's so, like, I feel so grateful to be in this entertainment industry and have, like, somewhat of a regular schedule. It's pretty cool. Um, I, I'll wake up Monday to Friday. I'll get up early, uh, well, early for me, around 5 a.m., and uh, I'll sort of have my quiet time in the morning. So I do a little uh, meditation and I do uh, like a sort of form of yoga, get the body moving a little bit. Um, and I'll have some black coffee. That's where that comes in. And obviously the first thing I do is I have a big, a big old glass of water. Yep. Um, and, and then, so as that happens, so I'll spend, you know, people don't in the house don't usually wake up to 6.30 or so, maybe even 6.45. And so I'll have a good long time in the morning to myself where I can do my, my kind of spiritual practice um, or some of it and uh, enjoy my alone time and get ready for the day too. I read my scripts and get ready for the day uh, as well. My scripts being um, on our show, we have 11 kind of what we call segments or 11 you know, sections of the show that could be interviews with guests yep. uh, like Dr. Jockers. We could be in the kitchen uh, making food. We do three kitchen segments, recipe segments we have DIYs, we have crafts, things like that. So I prepare for the day with different interviews and things like that. And then I leave, um, I leave for work usually around 7.45, 8. I get to work and we do on the show. But as soon as you get out of the car, as soon as you arrive, it's on Universal Lot. So if you guys have been to Los Angeles and you've been to Universal Studios, that's like kind of like the, obviously the amusement park. Down the hill is the real Universal Studios lot. You can even take a tour uh, to see the different stages and things like that. That's where our, um, our stage is. It's actually a house that it looks like a house, but it's designed to be a studio. And um, as soon as I get out of the car at home and family, it's on. So that's, it's a very interesting dynamic. That I don't totally understand the chemistry, how it affects the body, but you're really like you're on, you're like adrenally, you're focused. From yep. the moment you get out, we got the script to read, we start tweaking, we start getting hair and makeup, going through wardrobe, people are coming at you from all directions. Remember, 11 segments, if not more, every day, where the producers are tweaking and coming to you and asking as you're trying to get ready. And then, you know, all of this happens uh, right away at 8.30. We start shooting, um, usually 10, 10.30, sometimes as late as 11. Uh, that's always preceptive, so we know what time we start shooting. And once we start shooting, then you're really focused on the way I describe it is imagine having to present in front of a, a huge audience like thousands of people every day. Uh, and you have to be the expert and you have to know everything that you're presenting. And the presentation is going to be between three and four hours every day. And you get the information for that presentation at eight 30 that morning. <laughs> yeah. You exactly. Start at eight 30 to get ready to be on and to engage and to have everybody kind of listening and you have to know your stuff. And that happens every single day. Like I, I hear people that say, I had a presentation today. Oh, I'm exhausted. And I'm like, yeah, it's sort of, it's sort of how we roll each and every day. Now with that said, as you kind of get in the rhythm, there's some, there's some aspects where we can take a little breather and, um, you know, uh, there's some things that come more naturally to others. There's some where you really have to mentally focus and be on. Usually the interviews. Somebody's making the, the, the effort to come on the show. I really want to know my stuff. I want to be prepared. I want to know my questions. 
um, and I want to know as much research as I can. So that takes a lot more of like that being on. Whereas if I'm in a, a segment with one of what we call our family members, our supporting family members that come in with DIYs or crafts, yeah, I can kind of cruise along. I got to know what we're doing. I got to know what happens. I know, but at the same time, they're driving it, so it's a little yeah. bit easier on the on the mind. But I think that. I think it's pretty stressful on my system, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, you're a mental athlete. Absolutely. Like you're, it's like, you know, going in and you're doing, you're, you're, you're playing a soccer match or a basketball match. You're just, you're not moving your body in the same way physically, but mentally you've got to be really quick to react. You've got to really know your stuff. You got to, I um, mean, performances and just public speaking in general. I know you don't really have an issue with public speaking, but for a lot of people that alone is, is, you know, one of the, the largest fears in our society. And then, you know, you, you're constantly doing different scenes. So you got to really be sharp and you don't have a whole lot of time to, to take in information and process it and, and respond to it. So, um, you know, it's, it's a good tough. mental challenge. It's for sure. Yeah. And people ask me what's easier, you know, doing you know, acting or, or doing a show like that. And it's not even close. <laughs> like it's not even, it's not even remotely close. So even on a soap opera, we would, the show would shoot 120 pages a day. But maybe you're in, maybe, let's say, an average day would be about 20 pages of dialogue. Uh, sometimes, you know, more than that, sometimes less than that. But even that is, is like a spa treatment compared to what we do every day at Home and Family. But doing the Hallmark movies, you're doing eight or nine pages a day, and, and you're on, and you're on set for 15 hours, and it's long days. But it has a very, very different effect on my body, for sure. Mm. Like, it's it's um you know you're trying to relax into a character you're trying to just you're trying to be you don't have to be on and amped and engaged right, you're just trying right. to be you're just like it's like a in a sense a version of yourself which requires a lot less kind of adrenal focus or, right, right um it's and for me that is is far mm. far um less taxing i don't know about easier or harder but less taxing for yeah sure. and what makes uh home and family so good is that you guys are on right? You and Debbie are on, like you guys bring energy and that's what attracts everybody to it. So, um, so you've got, you know, that you can't have a day off, right? From that perspective, when, when that show goes on, you got to be on yeah, and yeah. Uh, really nailing your stuff. They know it when you don't have it. Like, yeah. you know, we, we're kind of live to tape, but if we really yeah. sort of mess up, they'll stop down and start again. Um, but <laughs> you know, they can tell when we're, and we're a little out of it and everybody's great and the, the good thing about this i've been on sets where you that pressure of messing up and then you start sweating and then everybody's staring at you you know it's not it's you know working at hallmark is it's one of the i think it's my favorite job i've ever had in my whole life because it's the most authentic mm. to who i am as a person i mean all we do there the whole channel whether it's the movies or home and family try to spread you know positivity yep. um you know virtuous ideas and thoughts and um try to make people feel good and be happy it's supposed to be like a real positive escape uh in our world and you know i love being part of that so yeah that's so good and then you you uh you had told me that you're doing entertainment tonight as well yeah right are you still doing that you like occasionally do do shows or how does that I was work? occasionally whenever last we spoke yeah. uh, occasionally doing um special interviews and stuff so i was on et for about four years as one of as the weekend host and also the weekend co-host and also a regular correspondent Monday to Friday, like on the show every day. And that was also very uh, draining in a different way. There's a lot of travel, uh, traveling all around the world to interview the biggest stars that you could ever think of on sets and doing movies. And 
and sort of the cool factor of that that show had the the highest cool factor yeah had the highest cool factor they ever done it was like on paper it doesn't get a whole lot better than that like it was it was pretty neat with that said there were some challenges that come with that and that is being away from the family yes uh, very very difficult um to eat the way i like to eat Mm -hmm. and to stay as active as i do when um with one airline one year I had 212,000 miles wow. uh, only on one airline yeah. um, in one 12-month period. That's a lot of travel. Like, I'd go to New Zealand and then come back, have a day, and then go to London. Like, it was, yeah. it was a lot. But it was um, very, you know, I got to meet a lot of my childhood heroes. And, I, you know, for instance, um, I had to, the, the new Han Solo movie came out, and I was intru- okay. interviewing the new Han Solo and in that interview, we had arranged that Harrison Ford and Ron Howard would come in through the back and surprise the new Han Solo with the old Han Solo. And it's me. And this Amazing. is happening yeah. in front of me. And, you know, there's moments like that where you're like, yeah, I got I, I, goosebumps even thinking about it. Like it's, Star Wars it's fan amazing. growing up. I love Star Wars. Pardon me? Big Star Wars fan growing up. Oh, yeah. yeah huge Star Wars fan still to this day. Actually, yeah, on the yeah. uh, quarantine, yep. we watched... Um, Oh, that, that's a good idea. Order. Yeah, going through. So, that's yeah. a good, you too. That's a good idea to keep track of them, because it, it can it can be tough to keep track of what comes after what, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Oh yeah, I grew up. I mean, uh, Return of the Jedi was my favorite movie. Until um, let's see, yeah, Return of the Jedi. I liked um, what was it? Uh, Braveheart was amazing, of course. Robin Hood, right? The kind of the original Robin Hood. Oh, was, we have similar tastes, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those amazing movies, right? So, yeah. That's great. That's great. Yeah. And so you were talking about all that traveling, too. That, that alone, people don't realize this, but when you are flying on a plane, you're getting a level of radiation. And so if you're flying that often, that's also a cancer risk factor, believe it or not. What is it about travel? What is it about being in the air that increases yeah. the radiation so much? I, I don't well, understand. there's a higher level of uh, radiation that you're being exposed to when you go up in altitude like that, right? Just being up in altitude like that, you're getting a higher level of it. Plus, like you were talking about, it's harder to eat, right? So you're getting, you know, you're drinking out of plastic uh, bottles and things like that. So you're getting phthalates and all kinds of stuff. So that's going to increase toxin exposure. So a lot of people don't realize that there's a lot of occupational hazards to position, you know, uh, professions that force you to have to travel a lot, right? There's a lot more hazards. Pilots have higher rates of heart disease and cancer than, you know, normal people their age, right? Partly because really? they're sitting for long periods of time, just like in one, you know, co- you know, the cockpit, really tight area. Um, I think they're opening those up where they can kind of get up and stretch a little bit, but a lot of times they're just sitting. Plus when you travel, I mean, just think about it. You're traveling to London. I mean, you're, other than like getting up to go to the bathroom, you're pretty sedentary for, for quite a while, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that's just all those things are hazards that can kind of build up over time. Um, you know, as far as like you were talking about your your health history with with getting that cancer, you know, these are all factors, right? As a as a doctor, I'm always thinking through, okay, what are all these factors that are going into this? And that was a factor as well. So are you no longer doing that position with entertainment tonight? Yeah. So now um we've taken obviously with the quarantine. <laughs> yeah, well, right now for sure. But yeah, it didn't. It didn't really make sense. It was. It was tough being yeah. full time at home and family, and then finishing up there and running to go do things for ET. Yep. And and truthfully, they 
they needed someone that was going to be more committed uh, to the show as well. And so we, we still keep in touch and we, we kind of ended our relationship on a great, like, and I have a feeling yeah. at some point or other in some capacity, I'll end up there at some point. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. uh, we re I really enjoyed everybody there working there. It was pretty, pretty fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's talk about your, the diet that you're following now. You said, uh, obviously, once you dialed down the carbs, right? And this, I always tell people, you know, there's kind of a bell curve. Some people do better with more plants. Some people do better with um, kind of a, a good mixture, a good balance of plants and animal products. And some people do a lot better with pretty much just mostly all animal products, right? And that carnivore diet has really picked up popularity. A lot of people are seeing really good results with that. And uh, let's talk about how that, how you made that switch. Well, like you mentioned, um, I think it was after my surgery, it had to have been, I tried to go a month um, vegan, like almost vegan, for sure plant-based, but uh, almost full, full vegan as best I could. And, and, and I'm not knocking at all. Uh, and there were some benefits to it. I definitely had a couple benefits. I got but, a little uh, visitor here. Oh, <laughs> what a beauty. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I missed that age. Um, but it, for me, you like want to hide a camera in real quick? We're on our oh, podcast. Hi. Hi. Hi, Angel. Sorry. Nice to see your face. Good to see you too. Sorry to interrupt you guys. Brief commercial oh. interruption here on our uh, podcast. Just uh, oh. my wife, Angel, here saying hi to Cameron and, uh, and yeah. my kids coming in. <laughs> Beautiful. What a family. Hi, guys. Man, you guys have your hands full. I love it. There's I David. think I think I have my hands full with a couple of teenagers, but good for you. <laughs> yeah, as, as, as you can see, everybody said good to see you. As you can see, yeah, I'll I'll be doing podcasts, and from time to time they'll pop in, just kind of like that's this, best. you know. That's the best. It's that's all the, good. That's what it's all about. That's that's, that's right. That's right. Love you guys. They said they said bye, and they said they love you guys. You yeah, love you too. <laughs> uh that's awesome i uh oh yeah plant place so i was playing i went and it just didn't work for me digestion wise um i was very uh bloated gassy distended and i thought it was going to kind of settle in uh it just never did um and then after the holidays i just made that strong shift like you to your point um really just reading about uh more about i mean i hate to do a plug but reading more about you, um, you know your book, having the opportunity to read more detail, and of course, like you know, I, I was keto for uh, I don't know, probably a year off and on, and really enjoying the benefits of it. But still, like I'd say, moderate carbohydrate keto. And when I really went almost zero carbs, like you say, almost eating just a very good quality grass-fed, grass-finished, pasture-raised. Uh, animal products um, and really minimizing the plants. Plants just don't seem to work well with me. I, I'm sure there's some that do better than others. I haven't quite experimented and figured out which ones do. I seem to feel like sweet potatoes, for instance, do quite well with me. Yeah. Um, but most most of the other ones don't. Strawberries, I get away with strawberries. I have a few strawberries now and then. But I just feel amazing. I also, you know, I I try to limit my nuts and seeds but i'll have macadamia nuts for whatever reason they seem to be um easier on my body than some of the other nuts and seeds or oh, pumpkin seeds too work pretty well too yeah, yeah. but uh 
since doing that, so what I'll do, like I say, is go 18 hours, uh, including my sleep. And then I, and I'm, I'm, I basically want to be you. I, I try to have my first meal around one o'clock uh, every day. Um, and I try to have uh, you know, basically as much as I can eat, really, yeah. you know, in the form of uh, grass-fed, grass-finished meat products. That's probably like 80% or 85% of actual protein. And then I might have grass-fed uh, cheese, I'll have pasteurized eggs, um, and make a little meal like that. Um, and uh, what else? And then I might have some macadamia nuts or some strawberries as a little bit of a dessert feel, but often not, often not even need it. And um, yeah, some, some lemon juice uh, sometimes. And obviously I'll also incorporate in the cooking process. Well, I'll have MCT oil. Yep. But in the cooking process, I'll have maybe some avocado oil, some coconut oil, sometimes some olive oil, of course, things like that. So not totally um, uh, animal-based, but uh, largely. And like I say, I, 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 was telling you, I was telling you this earlier, but I almost feel like I'm, I'm taking some sort of steroid. Like I feel pumped. Like I, I can't imagine eating almost zero carb. And, and feeling like I'll do a set of push-ups. So my daily routine workout-wise is I do at least 100 push-ups. Mm -hmm. I, I do uh, at least uh, 100 squats, bodyweight squats or jump squats, yep. or just bodyweight. Yep. Um, I'll do some, some ab work, and then every other day I'll do some pull-ups. And I honestly have to do one set of something. And I'm, I feel like that <laughs> feeling that you go to the gym where you've been working out for crazy. For whatever reason, and maybe it's the, the production of human growth hormone, yes. I, I don't know what the chemistry is, yep. but man, it does not feel like I'm eating low carb. Like as far as the effect on my muscles and my strength, like it, I feel pumped, which is very confusing to me in many ways. Yeah, no, we were taught that we needed the carbs, right, to feel pumped. But uh, your body now is very good at sparing glycogen or stored sugar in your muscle cells and driving water in there. And then you have the higher level of human growth hormone, right? Because you're fasting, you're in keto, you're spending a lot of time in ketosis. And because of that, um, when you do that, you're going to get a greater anabolic effect, right? Meaning that, you know, in general, human growth hormone is going to. Um, help your body stimulate autophagy, right? When you're when you're fasting, but when you, it's almost like uh, like like taking a slinky and cocking a slinky. So the slinky doesn't move until you take your hand off of it, right? But when you cock it, now you have all this potential energy in it that then explodes, right? Once you take your hand off of it, and it jumps up to the, you know the next step. It's kind of the same thing when you are following some sort of, you know, a low carb, when your body's in ketosis and you're doing intermittent fasting like that, you cock your slinky or your, your ability to build lean body tissue. And then when you start to do the training and then you follow that up with, you know, good high quality food, high quality protein, now you get that extra level of strength and development, right? And that's basically what's happening. Wow, that's a great analogy. I never yeah. thought about that. It definitely feels like that. And sometimes it can be a little tricky to get started. Yeah. Not often, but sometimes it does. But man, once it kicks in, it's like I can't stop. Like it, it's it's such a it's such a wild like there's definitely something like that happening in my body during the workouts, that fight or flight, the human growth. Like I all of a sudden I'll just be like, you know, here we go, let's keep going. Like it's an yeah. amazing. It's an amazing difference. It really is. Yeah. And now your body's very metabolically flexible also, 
where when you're at rest, it's very good at burning fat for fuel. But then when you get started with exercise, because when you're working out intensely, you can't use, you can't, you can't produce enough energy from fat because you need oxygen for fat. So when you're breathing hard and breathing heavy, you need to burn sugar during that period of time. Your body's very good at switching from burning fat to now burning sugar when you're in that period where you're exercising. And then when you're finished, going back to burning fat for fuel. And so that's where does really it get a hallmark of from? If, so the, yeah. how does the sugar come about? So the sugar, your body stores sugar in your liver and in your muscles, okay? It's going to store something around, you know, 400 grams actually of sugar right in those areas, almost a day's worth of sugar in your muscles and in your liver. Now, if you're on a ketogenic diet, sometimes that will be a little bit less because your body says, I don't need quite as much sugar storage because it's good at burning fat between meals. But you have a lot of sugar storage in your muscles and your liver. And the reason why the body does that is for a time of famine, you need to be able to, like our ancestors, sometimes would go days without food because they didn't kill anything, right? Or they couldn't find any food. They couldn't get weak and lazy, right? Like they, in order to kill an animal, right? which you know, neither of us, I don't know if you've had a, that opportunity. I never have, right? But I would imagine in the wild, right, you need a lot of energy, right, to be able to track something down and whatnot. You need your sympathetic nervous system elevated. Your heart rate goes up, right? Hunters will talk about you know, their heart rate goes up, all this kind of stuff um, when they're getting ready to kill something. So it's kind of the same thing. You need to be able to have fight or flight, right, even in a fasted state. Or let's say you're fasting and you know, a predator's chasing you or whatever it was that our ancestors had to deal with. Our body is really good at conserving that stored sugar. It wants to keep it in there for survival, for something related to survival. Now, when we start doing push-ups and pull-ups, the body doesn't really know if we are running away from a predator, you know, trying to climb a tree or something like that, or we're just exercising because we want to be fit. You know, the body doesn't know the difference. It just knows, hey, I've got a demand here that I need to address. And then if we're doing that on a regular basis, the body says, I've got to adapt so I can be, I need to be stronger, faster, quicker, right? Because for whatever reason, I'm facing these, you know, sort of scenarios where I've got to be able to perform at this high level. And so it adapts to that. And, that, and so you get really good at storing that sugar and only using it when you, uh, you know, when you need it, when you, when you turn how, how does the body um, store sugar when I'm not really eating any sugar? Yeah, so even from fat, so when we look at fat, you have something your body creates called a triglyceride. The backbone of that is glycerol, right? And so it can take glycerol and convert it actually into glucose or stored sugar glycogen, right? So the body, body has all these built-in mechanisms. Even if you're on a 100% fat diet, right, which of course you're not, it can do that. Now, it can also take protein and turn it into sugar as well called gluconeogenesis where you take uh, protein, amino acids, turn that into glucose as well. So, you know, if you're on this sort of diet, your body is going to, it's going to create the amount of sugar that it needs and nothing more, you know, and that's one of the things when we're on a higher carb diet, too much sugar is toxic. So the body tries to drive it into the cells and use it for energy. When you're on a very low carb diet, the body says, okay, uh, well, I don't, I don't really, I'm not really getting that much carbohydrate. So I'll actually make a little bit just so I have enough glucose, right? For gotcha. those certain circumstances, which is more advantageous. And that's very anti-aging, just like you've been reading in my book, right? <clears throat> reduces the aging effects, right? Reduces oxidation and rusting in our body and inflammation and all this kind of stuff. So, 
you know, really, really good. And then for some individuals, they do better on a higher protein diet. And so you're getting a higher amount of protein. And, and I actually do better on a higher protein diet too. I probably consume somewhere around a gram of protein per, per gram of body weight uh, on a typical eating day, right? And you're probably doing something similar as well. Yeah. <clears throat> and um, that's also can be very conducive, especially keeping insulin down but then also getting that protein, getting and making up the rest of the calories with the fat can be very conducive <clears throat> to uh, healthy lean body tissue development and good strength. It's so great to know. I mean, yep. I, I, uh, it's good to hear it, but then when you hear it and it's in line with ex one's experience, it's very reassuring and it's very like encouraging. So like, cause everything you're saying makes perfect sense to me you know, because I'm, I'm listening to you, but also in my own experience. So it's, uh, that's great to hear. Yeah, absolutely. So really, really good stuff. And, um, <clears throat> we'll get ready to finish up here, but, uh, yeah, I know that in the beginning, when I first started working with you, we really focused on detoxification, right? Yeah. Some people are worried about that. Some people feel like you're going to have, you know, a bad experience or they're going to, you know, sit on the, on the toilet all day long. How was your experience as we started to add in some binders, some things to help support kidney and liver detoxification. What was your experience like with all of those? Yeah, I feel, um, I mean, a, a lot of my experience with it is just uh, a sense of peace of mind, knowing that I'm, I'm, I'm helping to, to kind of take some, I know my, my toxin levels were really quite high. So like when I take the activated charcoal in between meals or when I take some of the binders, you know, um, it, it gives me a lot of peace of mind knowing. And, but as far as, you know, I, I, I'll go through um, bouts of having diarrhea and things like that, being on the toilet. But for me, it's usually related to like just having, from what I can tell anyway, having a meal with just way too much fat so that I can't quite handle yeah. it all. Yeah. Um, when, I, when I get that kind of more under control, I feel like everything works together like really well. I noticed that. So speaking of getting the toxins out, I'm assuming that part of the you know being high high level toxins in my body uh, one of the side effects is like aches and pains so yes. that's mm -hmm. something that I haven't talked about yet but I, I definitely experienced mm. uh, knee aches yeah. hip aches lower back uh, hands um, those are the main ones I think unless I'm forgetting something but the weird ones were really hips like yeah. I'd have really really sore my hip flexors would just get really really sore very easily um, and my knees too like. And that has that has definitely improved since taking some of those um, yeah. the binders and the I don't know, detox detoxification. Um, it hasn't gone away completely, but I'm you know being patient. I'm also being realistic, but it's it's much much better. Yeah, that's that's huge. And chronic pain, chronic joint pain, uh, especially when it's multiple joints, is a definite sign of uh, inflammation just overall in the body. And a lot of times some level of silent autoimmunity, right? So a lot of times we have autoimmunity to our connective tissue. And when you're noticing joint pain in a lot of different joints, not just maybe like, you know, a previous injury that you had, but multiple different joints throughout the body, oftentimes it's a sign of an underlying kind of autoimmune style con condition that's taking place. <clears throat> and toxins are known to really drive up autoimmunity in the body right? Because the body says, hey, these unwanted toxins are in the system and, uh, you know, we need to get rid of them, right? So it starts to try to ramp up the immune system to try to attack that. 
So I think all of that's going down, which is really improving. Plus the fact that you're getting less fermentation. And so one of the reasons why you've done so well on this sort of diet is your, your body, right? And I'm similar to this too. Um, our gastrointestinal system is tends to over ferment a little bit, right? And everybody's a little bit different. And so meat is not as fermentable, right? And the, a lot of the high fiber types of foods and the higher FODMAP foods, which, you know, are all healthy foods to a degree like broccoli and cauliflower and things like that. But those can ferment. For some people, they're really healthy because they help support their great prebiotics, that support the gut bacteria, a lot of good health benefits to them. But for other people, they can actually cause more inflammation in the system. And so for you, you've noticed big improvements, you know, not utilizing a lot of those. Yeah, it's such an interesting point too to show that like we're all so different in so many yes. ways. I mean, I one of the things that people love and, and, and you know garlic and onions are you know in yep. many ways supposed to be so so good for so many people, but for me and for my bacterial my microbiome, I guess um, they're one of the most uh, I, I, my my bacteria loves it. They're they're like painful for my yeah. gut. Like I get so yeah. distended and start burping like crazy and yeah. whatever. And yet they're obviously very healthy for so many different yeah. people. So, but that's a great example, but yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, this is exactly bio-individual uniqueness in a sense, right? We're all bio-individual people, right? We have our own unique bio, uh, biology, right? And physiology. And so um, what's cool is that you've really found a diet approach that works great for you and that you're able to thrive off of and get all the benefits that you want and feel great. And like you said, you're not enslaved to constantly snacking, constantly eating, but you feel satiated throughout the day. You're able to, to have the lean body tissue that you want, the body type that you want, and the food tastes great. And I know um, you get a lot of your meat products from US Wellness Meats, which is a fantastic brand. We'll have a, a link below. You guys can check that out. But US Wellness Meats is one of those, they pretty much have like every kind of meat that you can imagine, like almost every cut. And it's all grass-fed, organic, and, and grass-finished, like you mentioned, where, you know, with cattle, a lot of times they grain-finish them. So they start them on grass, and then they give them grains the last 90 days to make them fatter. But that reduces your healthy fatty acids, your omega-3s, reduces the amount of antioxidants that are in there. And, um, you know, the meat is not quite as healthy. And so the good thing about U.S. Wellness Meats is grass-fed, grass-finished. And what are some of your favorite things that you like to get? From, uh, US I, love, I love their ribeyes, yeah. um, beef tenderloin, their New York strip. But you know, one of the things that I discovered on U.S. wellness meats that I, that I love is also they have, which is very tough to find in my experience anyway, um, grass-fed Swiss cheese. So yeah. you can find grass-fed yep. cheddar. I'm right. just a big fan of Swiss cheese. And so they have a really <laughs> great grass-fed baby Swiss that's yep. super, super yummy. They also have a great grass-fed um, butter. That, yep. I can't remember the name of it, but it's, uh, I think it's the only one that they have on their website. I love that. I think it's from New Zealand. Yeah. Um, super good. But as far as the, the meats go, I like to experiment. So even just recently we got a flank steak because Vanessa wants to make a flank steak. Uh, I got top sirloin. Um, the ribeye is, is one of my favorites though. And I also love the kind of the balance between the protein and the fat and the good ribeye. So yeah, ribeye is great because it, exactly. It's like a one-to-one -one fat to protein ratio, which because fat has nine calories, protein has four calories per gram. It's roughly something along the lines of like a, like 60 to 65% of the calories coming from fat, 35 to 40% coming from protein, 
right? If you cook it in, you know, some sort of a healthy fat at the bottom, you might even get a little bit more fat. And that's a great ratio to have. Ribeyes just, they taste amazing as well. And then you're also a fan of the Paleo Valley um, beef sticks, right? Yeah, Paleo yeah. Valley beef sticks, the Paleo Valley um, powdered bone broth, the beef bone yes. broth, the grass-fed yep. grass bone broth, yeah. That's really, um, I mean, that just is incredibly rich. I can, you almost like, you almost taste the, the collagen or the gelatin in there, which yep. I, uh, I really appreciate. Um, and then uh, what else do I get from Paleo Valley? So organ complex. Sticks. Oh, the organ, that's right, that's right. So I'm not, I have a little trouble with the organ meats. I'm not going to lie. Like I, 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 you know, yeah. Eating like I do, I'm trying to get as many vitamins and minerals uh, from the, the, you know, the, the great quality of uh, food products. But I, I just feel better having some organ meats in there. I just can't quite, just doesn't go with my palate. So the, the Paleo Valley, I do their, their organ complex. Is that what it is? Yeah, their organ complex. Yeah. It's like yeah, a liver, I take two of those for every meal. Yep, which is really good. I, I, we, um, we just recently had beef liver and um actually the way my mom actually had prepared it and she did a great job on it believe it or not but yeah liver is so gamey right it's it it, it really you really need to marinate it and there's kind of an art to cooking it because it's very very gamey and it's i, I mean you compare that to a ribeye and the flavor of the ribeye it's like why would you ever want to eat the liver but <laughs> The nutrients are so good, right? The, mito the mitochondrial support nutrients that are in there. And that's why I told you the organ complex is great because it really balances it out. So we're getting a lot of our amino acids uh, from muscle meat. We want to balance it out with the kind of amino acids we get from cartilage, like bone broth, for example, or collagen protein. And then also the nutrients that we get from the organs. And this is really how our ancestors did it. They would eat the entire animal. Um, you know, they cook the bones, all that kind of stuff. They wouldn't just eat the ribeye and that's it, right? So um, so this is more ancestral and that's kind of, you know, what we focus on here on the podcast is ancestral health and that's that's what you're doing as far as getting all those things. So really good stuff. And we're a huge fan of Paleo Valley. They're a sponsor of our podcast here. So we oh, great. love the folks over there at Paleo Valley, really high quality stuff and U.S. Wellness Meats as well, really high quality stuff. And that's key also, you know, remember we talked about with Cameron about, his toxic load, right? He had a really high toxic load. And that was a, a definite contributing factor to him developing cancer, right? Healthy people in general don't, don't develop cancer. So he looked healthy on the outside, but on the inside, he had a high toxic load. And so by consuming grass-fed, grass-finished products, those animal products are very low. They have very low toxic loads. And so he's consuming foods. And that's one of the big keys when it comes to reducing our toxic load is to not just not consume as much, right? Breathe cleaner air, drink cleaner water, eat cleaner food. And so he's doing that obviously with the uh, grass-fed, grass-finished animal products. And um, I know you also implemented the um, hydrogen water as well, right? So you got the hydrogen water in your, in your house. We yep. have the hydrogen water filter on our water filter yep. um, in probably the last four or five months. So I'm um, I, from what I understand, um, that also will help with the detoxification. Is that correct? Yes, helps with detoxification. And molecular hydrogen actually is really powerful for reducing oxidative stress in the body. And oxidative stress is basically what toxins will cause. So it's helping neutralize damage that can be done by toxins that are in our system, right? So absolutely. And then water in general. 
Um, just hydrating your body well is is one of the best ways. I mean, it's it's a necessary way. You can't detox without hydrating your body well. So, yeah, so that's really important. And then when you add, but if you get like a reverse osmosis or just some sort of good water filter, Berkey water filters, that's going to help you detox. The benefit of the hydrogen is the its effect on the um, oxidative stress level. So that really lowers right. oxidative stress. And yeah. at the deep cellular level, increased oxidative stress is what accelerates the aging process, increases pain like you were talking about in our body, and uh, is a major factor when it comes to increasing cancer growth in the system. So, wow. well, there you go. So I'm glad that I've got that going. Yes. You also, when you came over, when you came over uh, that day uh, yeah. after my surgery, you also, you know, I think after, I wonder if after being on the studio, so I work in entertainment, I've got a, an EMF mic pack on my body mm. every day. Yep. We're surrounded by satellite dishes and things, you know, that's, how, that's my world that I work in. Then you came in where I live here in Altadena and there's, you know, telephone wire. I mean, it's, you're in LA, you're in a big city and I, I'm yep. sure people can relate to it everywhere with Wi-Fi and 5G and everything else around. And you help me um, understand the toxicity of the EMF pollution yes. and the key products, the Q, uh, QI products uh, yep. that you encouraged me to get. And I've got, I've got uh, the big one for the house. Yep. I've got a little tower for work. And then I've got the little individual ones that I keep on me um, just in general. Yeah, absolutely. Electromagnetic frequencies are basically a stressor on our body that's there all the time. So our body is used to certain electromagnetic frequencies, such as the earth. I mean, you think about like, I mean, you know, you live in LA. So if you were to go to the beach and walk on the beach, you're getting a very healthy electromagnetic frequency. It's one of the reasons why people feel so good after a beach walk is they neutralize their electromagnetic frequency. And we can do that by grounding, by going out bare feet or, you know, like rubber soles block the earth's natural electromagnetic frequency. But the Earth's electromagnetic frequency is very healing and supportive for our body. So going out barefoot on your grass, dirt, sand, you know, different things like that, very healthy and healing for the body. Our ancestors were in touch with the electromagnetic frequency of the Earth, you know, since the beginning of mankind. So we've adapted to it. All the EMFs that are coming from satellites, our cell phones, all these types of things are very new, right? We haven't had a chance. It takes a long time for us as a species to adapt to these sort of stressors. So the chronic exposure can cause a lot of different issues and cause an increase in oxidative stress. And, you know, it's not something we can necessarily escape from completely. However, there are devices like the key device, which releases uh, charged water molecules. You can't actually see them, but it releases charged water molecules. And uh, <clears throat> they've had some, some different studies that have shown that it dramatically reduces the electromagnetic, excuse me, electromagnetic stress that somebody is under and improves their sympathetic to parasympathetic balance or what we call their heart rate variability, right? So heart rate variability is actually the beat to beat variability between our heart, between our heartbeats. So we should have like a staggered uh, rhythm in our heart. So even though it might be like 60 beats per minute, the actual time between each beat should actually be alternating. Okay, like it shouldn't be a, a monotone. And that's a sign of good parasympathetic tone. If we're in sympathetic dominance or fight or flight, we can't heal. We actually want to have good, what we call good parasympathetic tone. So the key device, by releasing this charged water, it almost acts like a, um, uh, like a protective blanket over your home. 
right? So I know the device you have is like, I don't know, I think it's like 3,000 square feet. I can't remember exactly how much it covers, but uh, it's like a protective blanket. So your whole family is benefiting from that. And the EMFs that you're being exposed to, like I got my cell phone right here, you know, we've got towers all around us and things like that. It's all being neutralized, right? So your whole family benefits from that. And, uh, you know, that's, that's a huge thing when it comes to chronic disease is the chronic exposures, right? Like where are we spending our most, the most amount of our time? That's where we should be focused on trying to reduce our EMF exposure. And that's what you've done with your home as well. And uh, yeah, great company. We'll link to them Synergy Science. They provide the hydrogen water as well as the key device that Cameron's using as well. So yeah, really good stuff. Well, Cameron, this has been a fantastic interview. Really have enjoyed it. Um, any last words of, uh, of inspiration for our audience? Oh, well, thank you for having me on the, on the, uh, the podcast. I've enjoyed it as well. I guess I would just say, um, I mean, I guess it's sort of what I, how I've been kind of rolling the last several years and, and uh, how it in many ways has helped me tremendously. And that is just to be your best advocate for your own health, to really pay attention, really pay attention to your body, yep. listen to it. You, you just you, you know when you eat something and it has a certain reaction it means something it's trying to tell you something i remember just ignoring all these signs and symptoms for so long um and then when i started to pay attention um i just i feel like a different person so i guess i'll just end with that yeah no that's amazing and so cameron the best place for our audience to reach you probably your instagram right cameron matheson on instagram yeah yeah Instagram at Cameron Matheson is the best place. Definitely. Or on Hallmark Channel. <laughs> yeah, and Hallmark Channel, of course. Yep. So definitely check him out. Hallmark Channel, uh, Home and Family. Really, really great show. Check that out for sure. Follow him on Instagram as well. He's always posting uh, things with his family, different things he's doing on the set, and um, and golfing adventures, and skis, <laughs> snowboarding adventures as well, right? that's right so you get a chance we'll get back to that eventually that's right exactly once we're out of this quarantine you got it absolutely well so go ahead and check out cameron guys and uh remember you're more valuable than you think you are so start taking action to improve your health and allow your body to do what it was created to do which is heal and repair and allow you to thrive we'll see you guys on a future podcast be blessed Well, that's all for this show. And I wanna thank you again for spending your valuable time with me today. And if there was something you heard in this interview that you have questions on or you wanna dive into deeper, then drjockers.com is the best place to go. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider taking just a quick moment and giving us a great review. Your reviews help us influence more people and transform more lives. And if you took something valuable away from this episode, then please share it with someone in your life you know it can help. We'll see you soon on a future podcast. Be blessed, everybody.